Hallelujah. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Research at Tulane University suggests that a child's progress in school may be affected by his name. Children whose, whose name rated high on the popularity index tended to do better in school than those whose name rated lower on the popularity list. In fact, those who rated lower did worse in school and they uh, they really did not seek out uh, um, careers that would would uh, call upon more ability in, in, on their part. But in the Bible, people were even more strongly affected by their name. And uh, we find that his name shall be called Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. Uh, John was to be called John for a reason. He, reason. he was to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And uh, so we see that names are so important. And <clears throat> I looked in the back of my Bible in the back of the chain reference Bible, and I found that there is 103 names listed there for Jesus Christ. And of those names, I'd like to focus on one, and there's, there's a few listed right here in the verse that we're looking at this morning. Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. There's... There's a bunch of names right there. But the one I want to focus on is the one that our brother sang about, Isn't His Name Wonderful? His name is wonderful. He was a wonderful person. Unto us a child was born. I mean... We think of him as God, but he was also a human being. The word wonderful means full of wonder. That Jesus would willingly give up everything and come to this earth to die in my place is truly wonderful. I just don't understand it. That he would willingly become human, take on a human body, suffer and die. That's a wonder. He became the Son of Man. He called himself the Son of Man. 
In other words, he had become 100% man. Yet he never stopped being God. Did you ever stop to think the one who we depend upon for everything, even the air we breathe, became a little baby and was dependent for everything. Where's Joanne at? Is she in here? No, I meant, uh, yeah. Let me borrow your baby a minute. Now, unto us a child is born. I want you to think of Almighty God, all-powerful God, the one who spoke the universe into existence, became a little child, a baby. This baby can't feed himself. This baby can't change himself. All he can do is tell mama when he hurts, when he's hungry. And that's what God did. God became dependent. He who we depend on was dependent on a human mother. Hallelujah. Thank you. <clears throat> That's quite an object lesson, isn't it? When you, when you think of how immense God who is everywhere became a little baby in a stable in Jerusalem, or, yeah, in Judea. Can you imagine the king of kings becoming a dependent little baby? Born in a stable, not in a palace, in a stable. But then again, where would you expect a lamb to be born? He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. Hallelujah. Unto us a son is given. Make that personal this morning. Unto us a son was given. That son was not only given to Mary, that son was given to you. Given to me. You see, Jesus was 100% man, or the Son of Man, but he was also the Son of God. He was 100% God. And I want to tell you something. That's too wonderful for me to really grasp. If there's someone here this morning that can really explain 
how God could be 100% man and 100% God, how he could be a baby and still run the universe. Would you come up here, please, because I'm at a loss to explain it. I think you ought to be telling me if you can do it. It's too wonderful to understand that God can do this thing, but yet he did. Why did God love me so much that he would send his son to die in my place? I can't think of one good reason. It's too wonderful to really grasp. Why was Christ willing to come? How many of you would willingly go to the slaughter knowing you were going to die? Yet he did because he loved you that much. That's too wonderful to understand, isn't it? Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And just as he was identified as the Son of Man and the Son of God, here it identifies him as the Son of David. The government shall be upon his shoulders. He not only was 100% man, 100% God, but he was of the lineage of David. He was to become the ruler of Israel. I don't understand all this. How can he be the son of God, the son of man, and the son of David all at the same time? I just get kind of at a loss for words to explain it because it's too wonderful for me to understand. Hallelujah. He was a very special person. And yet, we see here a wonderful birth. Unto us a child was given. Turn with me to Matthew 1. Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with a child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, being husband, uh, Joseph her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. 
Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And it says that Joseph arose from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her, or did not have sexual relationships with her, until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Hallelujah. It was a virgin birth. How many of you know a virgin that has given birth? I know a lot of unmarried people that, during, that have birth. But genetically, it's impossible for a virgin to bring forth a child. It's too wonderful for me to understand. Yet I know it's the truth. Joseph and Mary themselves did not understand that. Mary says over in Luke chapter 1, let's read about it. Luke chapter 1 verse 26. Well, let's start at verse 27. A virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you, blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be? In other words, she said, I, I don't understand. Since I do not know man, I've never had any relations with a man, how can this thing be? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, well, we'll stop there. Hallelujah. The Son of God, born of the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin. God became a helpless baby, Emmanuel, God with us. I just can't imagine. Here, he's running the whole universe. And he just says to the universe, you just keep right on running. I'm going to go down, and I'm going to be a little baby. These things are 
too wonderful for us to understand. They have to be taken by faith. He who was all powerful became a dependent little child, as I just showed you when I showed you the baby. Thirdly, I see that he was a wonderful teacher. If you'll turn with me to John 7. In John 7, we find that the Pharisees sent the palace guard out to get a hold of Jesus. And uh, when they returned, in verse 45 and 46, then the officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who said to them, Why have you not brought him? And the officer answered, No man ever spoke like this man. You know why? Because there never was a man like this man. I mean, it's so wonderful that you can't really conceive it all. I mean, he was God. That's why he spoke with such authority. You know, he could cast out a demon by just coming into the presence of the one who was demon-possessed. He could heal a sick person without ever seeing the person. You remember the centurion? He said, hey, just speak the word and my servant will be healed. And in that same, very same hour, his servant was healed and Jesus never was near him. He had the power to forgive sin. Who has power to forgive sin but God? Even nature obeyed him. Over in John 8 and verse 26, we found that Jesus was, the, was asleep in the back of a boat. They're out on the Sea of Galilee and a, and a big storm comes up. And they're being swamped. And the poor uh, disciples are out there rowing with all that's in them and they're not making any progress or any headway. And, and I can see them out there trying to bail out the water and, and they throw out one bucket and two comes in. And, and they turn to Jesus and they said, Don't you care that we perish? And it says that he stood up and he rebuked the wind and there come a great calm. Even the wind and the waves obeyed him. It, it's so wonderful. He only doeth wondrous things. No wonder his name is called Wonderful. He was a counselor, a wonderful counselor. You know what a counselor is? That was another name for a lawyer. 
And I'm glad that Jesus is my lawyer. Hallelujah. Because one day I'm going to have to stand judgment. I'm going to stand before Almighty God. And I need someone to represent me. I need someone because I'm guilty. I stand convicted before God. And I need a good lawyer, a defense lawyer. Praise God, I got a wonderful lawyer. Hallelujah. He's wonderful in his advice. He's shown us the way, and he's told us the truth. John 14, 4 says, and whither I go, you know, and the way you know. We have no excuse. He has shown us the way. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I am the way. And all you've got to do is believe. See, Jesus is our counselor, and he's told us the way. The way's narrow, and there's few that's going to find it. But he has invited whosoever will to come, and he will make sure that you find that way. Because he's the way. He's the way. Hallelujah. Tell me one other religion who has a living Savior that ever lives to make intercession for him. Just one. Muhammad's dead. Confucius is dead. They're all dead, but I got a living God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Romans 8 and verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? If God, if it is God who justifies, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. God. Did you know that that baby that came to this earth, grew up to be a man, died on a cross, was buried, and rose again, and he has gone into the heavenlies, and there's a man in heaven today sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me. And he's a God who can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities because he knows what it was like to be in a human body. He knows what it's like to suffer death. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's the kind of lawyer you need. One that ever lives to make intercession. He's not going to die off before I do. He's going to be there. Hallelujah. And those things are really too wonderful to understand, aren't they?
Last of all, he's a wonderful Savior. Matthew 1, 21 says, You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Hallelujah. Not in their sins, but from their sins. Deliver us from our sins. How can you be separated from your sins? Boy, if that isn't too wonderful to understand. You sin, and yet you're declared not guilty. It's because he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He takes our sins and we take his righteousness. Tell me you understand that. That's kind of wonderful, isn't it? No wonder they called him wonderful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For you, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. That's got to be some of the best news that humanity has ever heard. Unto you this day in the city of David is born a Savior. Praise God, I need a Savior. You need a Savior. Without the Savior, you're going to eternal hell, eternal punishment. But praise God, there's a Savior. That's what we're celebrating this Christmas. There is a Savior. I don't have to die for my sins. I don't have to spend eternity in hell. I can have eternal bliss through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Woo! Isn't that good? Hallelujah. Turn with me for one last scripture over in Hebrews 7. Like Hebrews, because Hebrews always explains the Old Testament. Hebrews 7.21. Well, let's start with 20. Inasmuch as he was not made a priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not relent, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. But so much more Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. That's the new covenant that we're in. That new covenant that says that you don't have to die. All you've got to do is believe. The new covenant that says that Jesus died in your place. Hallelujah. And he's the surety for it. And there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. Every time the priest died, somebody else had to take his place. But he, Jesus Christ, verse 24, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able 
to save to the uttermost those that come to God through him, since he ever lives to make intercession for them. He's able to save to the uttermost. That's too wonderful. Listen, he can save you this morning. He saved me, and he can save you. That's wonderful, because he ever lives to make intercession. And if you're here this morning, though your sins were a scarlet, they can be made white as snow. I don't care what you've done in the past. Jesus can give you a new birth and a new life and a new beginning today. And he'll see you right through to heaven. But the choice is yours. The choice is yours. I don't understand all these, and if you wait until you understand it all, you'll never accept Jesus. I used to have a sister-in-law that was very intellectual. Every time we got together, we discussed the Bible. But as far as I know, she was never saved. Because she was always trying to understand, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth, that Jesus died for her. That's why we come to church. Because we come to hear the good news. Jesus died for you. I don't care what you've done in the past. Jesus don't care what you've done in the past. He just wants you to give your life to him now. Would you bow your heads with me? Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.